Hello! Welcome to Stories Podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Weldon. Today, we're re-releasing a fall-time story called Why the Leaves Change Color. This story comes from the Native American oral tradition of the Haudenosaunee, who some people call the Iroquois. About a year ago, Dan interviewed the great Mohawk storyteller Kay Olan to get all the details right and be sure that our adaptation would capture the original spirit of this story and culture and represent them faithfully and respectfully. Here's some of what we learned. The Haudenosaunee is a united nations consisting of several separate nations. The first five nations were the Mohawk, the Oneida, the Onondaga, the Cayuga, and the Seneca. The Tuscarora joined the other five in the 1700s, so today there's a total of six nations within the United Nation of the Haudenosaunee. The word Haudenosaunee translates to people who build the longhouse or the people of the longhouse. This name speaks to the unity among the six nations of the Haudenosaunee. If you're interested in learning more, you should do some research into the rich history and stories of the Haudenosaunee. We'll be back with a new story next week. Stories Podcast is brought to you by Chase. All my real estate friends say the same thing. The last few years have been a seller's market. So how does someone like me looking to buy their first home stand out and get taken seriously? Chase's closing guarantee is one way to give you the edge you need. As a Chase customer, you're guaranteed to close quickly or you get $1,000. So you can show homeowners you're serious about buying without the personal letter, or gift basket, or skywriting it over their house. Get in your first home even faster with Chase. Learn more at chase.com stories. Chase, make more of what's yours. All home lending products are subject to credit and property approval. Rates, program terms, and conditions are subject to change without notice. Not all products are available in all states or for all amounts. Other restrictions and limitations apply. Home lending products offered by J.P. Morgan Chase Bank, N.A., an equal housing lender. Summer is finally here. It's time for beach days and barbecues, family vacations, and quality time with the ones you love. I don't know about you, but I don't want to spend a whole day getting my hair colored at the salon when I could be outside playing frisbee with my dog, but I also don't want to take a chance on a box kit from the drugstore. Now there's another option, Madison Reed. It took a strong woman to shake up the hair coloring world, and Amy Errett did just that with Madison Reed, the company she named after her daughter. Madison Reed offers gorgeous, professional hair color delivered to your door for less than $25. What makes their color unique is that it's crafted by master colorists who blend nuances of light, dark, cool, and warm to create over 45 gorgeous, multi-tonal shades. Clients agree. With Madison Reed, you get gorgeous, shiny, multidimensional, healthy-looking, fresh-from-the-salon hair. But you can do it yourself at home. Get an expert color consultation or take the color quiz at madison-reed.com. And right now, Stories Podcast listeners get 10% off plus free shipping on their first color kit with code STORIES. That's code STORIES for 10% off your first color kit plus free shipping. Thanks! Enjoy the episode! Why the Leaves Change Color A Traditional Haudenosaunee Story Adapted by Daniel Hines With special thanks to Mohawk storyteller Kay Olan Many winters ago, there was a small village deep in the woods of early America. The village was home to many families, all living together in peace. 
To keep the village fed, each day the men would go forth into the forest, hunting for deer and other game among the towering trees of oak and maple and ash. They would drink the cool stream waters from cupped hands and wait patiently for their prey, bows and spears at the ready. This was their way of life, passed from parent to child for many generations, until, one day, the hunters found something strange and terrible. It looked like the paw print of a bear, but far, far too big. It was so deep and wide that if a man fell in, he would have trouble climbing out again. Nearby, the trees were smashed and battered to splinters. The hunters, wary and worried, searched, but found no more tracks that day. Unfortunately, they also found no deer, and that night they went hungry. The next day, they ventured out to hunt again, and this time they found four great bear prints and many more trees torn root and stem from the earth. The hunters felt fear creep into their bellies, but they found no other sign of the great bear. Unfortunately, they also found no deer, and that night they went hungry. The next day, their bark longhouses were shaken near to pieces by a great roar from the forest. The birds burst from the leaves and fled on pumping wings. The rabbits burst from the brush and fled on loping feet. The deer burst from the trees and fled on nimble hooves. The people hid in their longhouses and waited. When the roars finally stopped, the hunters set out at once. They checked all their traps and went to all their best hunting spots, but there wasn't a deer or a rabbit or bird to be seen. There wasn't any animal to be seen, large or small, apart from the tracks of the great bear, making a large circle around their village. That night, too, they went hungry. A meeting was called. They all agreed the great bear was eating most of the animals and scaring off the rest, and they decided that action must be taken. They assembled a party of their best hunters, and that brave band took bow and arrow and spear and set off into the woods. The giant paw prints were all around their village, and it wasn't long before they came upon the great bear itself. It was larger than any bear ever seen or spoken of, nearly as large as a longhouse. The massive shaggy head turned towards the hunting party. It had mean black eyes and even meaner white teeth, each as long and sharp as an arrow. Lesser men may have run, but the hunters of the village were brave and hungry and desperate, and they attacked with sad cries. Sad because, even though the bear had put them in a desperate position, the people had a profound respect for the natural world and never took any joy or felt any malice in the hunt. So first came the arrows, a swarm of them buzzing through the air like hornets, but no hornet ever buzzed so straight and true. Every arrow found its mark and seemed to stick, but the bear simply shook like a wet dog and the arrows rained down to the earth. They had failed to do more than get stuck in the beast's thick fur. Next came the spears. Half were thrown and ripped through the air like striking hawks. The other half were jabbed from up close like talons. The great bear only grumbled and swatted with one enormous paw, the way a person might swat a fly. The paw caught some of the hunters and sent them spinning away into the trees. The rest of the men, seeing their attack failing, picked up their injured friends and retreated back to the village. That night they told the other men what had happened, but they were not believed. No bear could be that big, the doubters said. So the next day another party of hunters set out to find the bear. 
They too followed the tracks and found the beast, and they too found their bows and arrows and spears useless, and they too were driven back to the village in defeat, many of them badly injured. So it went for days. Each morning, a new party of hunters would go out, and each evening, they would return defeated and hurt. Every day left them hungrier and more desperate than the day before. There was talk of abandoning their village, but where would they go? It seemed hopeless. But then the dreams began. Three brothers, sleeping near each other in a longhouse, each dreamed of tracking the bear through the forest. The dreams were so vivid that each brother woke, still sensing the rain on their skin and the bear's musk in their noses and the well-worn wood of their weapons in their hands. Each brother had the dream, but they kept silent. The next night, the dreams came again. The three brothers dreamt of cornering the great bear against a wall of purest night with the fire raging beside. The dreams were so vivid that each brother woke, still sensing the heat on their skin and the bear's roars in their ears and the well-worn wood of their weapons in their hands. But again, they kept silent. The third night, the dreams came again. The three brothers dreamt of wounding the bear in a high and mysterious place that hung above the world. The dreams were so vivid that each brother sprung awake like an arrow from a bow, leaping high into the air and shouting a cry of alarm. That broke their silence. The three brothers talked and realized they had been having the same dreams. They knew that three brothers dreaming the same dream for three nights was more than coincidence. It was important. So they went and told their elders what they had dreamt. The elders listened carefully, knowing the power that can reside in dreams, especially dreams shared and dreams repeated. They told the brothers that even though they were very young, it was in them to hunt the bear and save their people. That same night, they had a great ceremony, one that gave the support and power of the village to the brothers and also purified them for the hunt. Their bows and arrows and spears were likewise purified and imbued with the power of their people. The next morning, the three brothers left together, carrying with them their weapons and the hopes of the village. It wasn't long before they found the bear's giant tracks and followed them, pushing deeper and deeper into the woods. The bear, perhaps having dreams of its own, fled from the brothers like it had never done before. It ran, hunted farther and farther from the village, and soon the deer and rabbits and birds all returned, and the villagers once again had food to eat, but still the brothers pursued the great bear. Finally, exhausted, the bear used its last trick. It found a mountain and climbed right up, perhaps thinking to lose the brothers on the dangerous slopes, but the brothers, driven by their dreams, went right up the mountain after it. They started to grow excited, thinking that once the bear got to the peak, there would be nowhere left for it to go. Normally, they would have been right, but the great bear was anything but normal. When it reached the peak of the mountain, it took its big paw and stepped into the air. Higher and higher it climbed, walking an invisible path through the clouds and into the heavens. The brothers, relentless, continued to follow the monstrous bear. By the time they realized they had left the ground behind, they were already far into the sky, the world a shimmering blue-green eye below them. Still, they continued their hunt, and one day, just as summer was coming to close, the bear stopped to prepare for his hibernation amongst the stars. 
a high and mysterious place that hung above the world. Just as the brothers had dreamed, it was there they closed in on the great beast. With their arrows and spears, they forced it away from Mother Earth so that it would never again make their people go hungry. Because their weapons had been through the purifying ceremony, their spears and arrows were able to injure the great bear where other spears and arrows had failed. The great bear wasn't badly hurt, but a scant few drops of blood dripped down from the sky onto the world below, changing the leaves from green to red, and a few drops of fat as well, changing other leaves to orange and yellow. Seeing they had wounded the great bear, the brothers allowed the beast to lay down and hibernate among the stars. The three brothers, still driven by their dreams and knowing one day the bear would wake, vowed to follow it always and keep safe their people. Their names have been lost to history, but you can still see them today, tracking the great bear across the sky. You can probably pick them out, even if you don't realize it, because today, most people call the three hunters and the bear the Big Dipper. If you find the Big Dipper in the sky, the four stars of the bowl make up the bear, and the three stars of the handle are the brothers, forever hunting it to keep safe Mother Earth. Every year they chase the bear all through the summer. They wound it in the fall, its blood dripping down and coloring the leaves. Then the bear grows tired and falls into winter hibernation, where it disappears to heal, returning in time to begin the chase anew in the spring. The End Today's story was a traditional Haudenosaunee story adapted by Daniel Hines and performed by me, Amanda Weldon. If you would like to support Stories Podcast and receive a thank you in a future episode, please visit patreon.com slash stories and make a pledge. Then send an email to amanda at storiespodcast.com and let us know who to thank. And don't forget to check out the Kids Listen app for a curated collection of kid-friendly podcasts. Just search Kids Listen on iTunes. Thanks for listening!